Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Acts chapter 2. Today is a very, very, very important day on the Christian calendar, right? We have certain events that happen on the Christian calendar that um, we acknowledge, such as Christmas and Easter. This is one that doesn't get acknowledged as much as those, but I think probably should. Today is actually the day of Pentecost on the Christian calendar, the Hebrew um, festival of Shavuot, and for us Christians, we call it Pentecost. We'll talk a little bit about that. It is the day that 2,000 some odd years ago that the church was born. So it's kind of like our birthday as a church, uh, the day of Pentecost. It's also the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church and on the followers of Christ to empower them and, and of course now us to live out a life on mission just as Jesus called us to do. So because today is the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, we want to talk about and look at what that means for us. And, and here's the question that we want to ask today uh, as we celebrate, as we remember the day of Pentecost, is do our lives now, does your life, does my life, does our collective life as a church, all the above, does it reflect in any way the day of Pentecost some 2,000 years ago? Is our life now a reflection of Pentecost, and, and we're going to talk about that and ask that question. As well, it's a really, really good time for us to be talking about the Holy Spirit, or a, I guess a, a good opportunity to talk about the Holy Spirit, because if you remember, just two and a half months ago, we finished an entire series on the Holy Spirit. We did 10-week series on the Holy Spirit, talking about things about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What it means to be led by the Holy Spirit, we talked, I think, like five weeks on spiritual gifts and that we are to be earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit and so forth. Anybody remember any of that? No? Okay, great. Time well spent. Well, for you guys that don't remember or you weren't here for it, it is on our website, it is on iTunes, you can always go back and listen to that series on the Holy Spirit. But we want to ask the question as well today is how are we doing after having done that series? Now, who remembers what the series was called? Life in the Spirit, right. Two people remember. We're off to a great start this morning. You guys should be more awake than the first service because you guys have had all morning. They were on it. Life in the Spirit. Why did we call it Life in the Spirit? Well, because we said, and our stated goal was with the series, that we wanted to learn what it means to do just that, to live out a life in the Spirit. What does it mean to live a life empowered by the Spirit? What does it mean to live a life led by the Spirit? What does it mean to live a life using our gifts of the Spirit? What does all of that mean? And we said at the time that we were doing that series in a hope that it wouldn't just be something that we just check off the list, as if, okay, we taught that, we move on now, 
right? That wasn't our intention. Our intention was that those truths would transform us, right? And we said at that time, we didn't want our Holy Spirit series just to be academic, because we could do that, right? We could get the Bible out, we could learn things about the Holy Spirit, but that wasn't our intent. Our intent was that our lives would be changed, that we would be living out, led by, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so, because today is the day of Pentecost, we want to remind ourselves of how vital the Holy Spirit is to the true follower of Jesus. And because we just finished this series on the Holy Spirit not very long ago, we want to look at our lives now and ask, how are we doing after the series? Did it change us? Did we respond well to God's word and doing an entire series and seeing how vital the Holy Spirit is? So because it is that vital and because that is our topic for today and we as a church are desperate for the Holy Spirit and have no chance without it, let's pray real quick. Lord, we come and we begin by just lifting all these things up to you. We ask your spirit to fall in this room like never before. You're the teacher of all things, come and teach us. You're the leader, the guide, the counselor, the comforter. Holy Spirit, come fill this room. You know where every one of us is with you. And you you know exactly what we need. Lord, what we want is transformation in our lives. That our character would become more and more like Christ. That we would be bold in our witness stand strong for you, Lord. That's what we desire and we recognize that nothing that you've called us to, Lord, are we capable in our own strength. We are desperate and we confess together as a church, we are desperate for your Holy Spirit. So come and fill our hearts now, Lord. Come fill this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as we do this, these two things, as we celebrate the day of Pentecost and study the day of Pentecost, as well as remembering the series that we just completed a couple months ago, a couple of things, really one thing, if nothing else, should stand out to us. If you remember back to our series, and as we look at the Holy Spirit today, one thing should impact us more than anything else, and that is this truth. That God intended His church to have power. God intended His church to have power. That the Christian life was always meant to be characterized by power. That's why Jesus says in Acts 1.8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses, both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. The Christian life was never meant to merely consist of an hour and a half on Sunday and a few prayers throughout the week. That was never the intent of God. It was always meant to be characterized by power and action. That's what he says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and then you will take action. Christianity is meant to be a supernatural life. God empowering His people, ordinary people, empowered by God to do extraordinary things. Look at the people that God chose throughout Scripture. Fishermen. Just fishermen. Tax collectors. Just guys. You know what they were? They were just guys like us. 
They're just people. Nothing unique or special about them other than God came along and grabbed a hold of them. And that's what we desire, for Him to come and grab a hold of us. Ordinary people yet to do extraordinary things through us. Now, because today is the day of Pentecost, we are going to focus on the events of Pentecost. What happened 2,000 some odd years ago in Acts chapter 2 records those events. That's what we're going to look at. But to fully get the impact of what happened on that day, we also need to back up just a little bit and we need to consider the disciples before the day of Pentecost. We need to look at who they were before Acts chapter 2 happened. Because if we miss the transformation that happened in the disciples, we may miss the transformation that Jesus wants for us. So we need to back up a little bit and look at who they were before and look at who they were then after. Now, we've been doing a series here on the life and times of Jesus. We're at the tail end of that. We are within three months of the cross in our series on the life and times of Jesus. So we've seen pretty much the whole training of the disciples in the three and a half years that we have been a church. We have seen their three and a half years of training. And what, what we can say then is that the disciples had, for three and a half years, the greatest teacher that you could possibly have, right? So what that means then is that they had all the training that anybody could possibly hope for. They had Jesus as their day and night mentor teaching them. So they had the greatest teaching that you could ask for. They lived day and night with the greatest example of faith that ever walked the earth. What that then means is they had the supreme role model for their lives, didn't they? Not only that, they had experience. Jesus had included them in ministry. He had sent them out under his mentorship, under his watchful eye. He brought them in on ministry. And so what we can see is they've had the greatest of practical ministry experience. Beyond that, they were a very determined bunch. They were determined to be bold in faith and to stand with Christ even unto death. They were determined. They had the want to, to do it. In fact, on the night that Jesus was arrested, he was telling his disciples of the events that were going to happen. He was telling them that he would be arrested. He was telling them that he would go to the cross. And Peter speaks up and he says, even though all these other guys might fall away, I will never fall away, Peter says. He's determined, isn't he? Of course, Jesus said to him, truly I say to you this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And then notice what it says. All the other disciples said the same thing. They were determined. They were a determined people. All the training, the best of examples, being included in practical ministry, and all of the determination that they could muster was still not enough. That's what we got to see here. It wasn't enough. Because right after this, right after they said that, you know what happened? Jesus was arrested. Peter denied him three times. All the other disciples abandoned Jesus, left, 
and were behind closed doors hiding for fear of the Jews. They were scared and fearing for their lives. So what that then means for us is this. All of the training that they had, think about this too. Every sermon that they had heard, right? Because you guys have heard a few sermons. Every sermon that they have heard, the best role model that you could have, even being included in practical ministry and having all the determination in the world was not enough. It was not enough to be and to do what Jesus was calling them to. That means that there was something very vital missing from their lives. And that's why Jesus, after his death and resurrection, as he appears to the disciples, he told them this, don't go anywhere. Don't try anything. Don't get involved in any ministry. Wait on the Holy Spirit. This is super important because some of us sit around wondering why our lives seem to lack power and effectiveness, don't we? Some of us sit around and wonder why my life seems to lack power. Why I cannot defeat this particular sin and struggle in my life. Why I'm so fearful in my life. Or why I'm ineffective in my ability to reach others. So some of us sit and wonder why we feel so powerless. We can't miss this fact. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is so important that Jesus literally barred his disciples from doing anything until they had received the power of the Holy Spirit. He barred them. Don't do anything. Don't lean on your training. Don't lean on the example that you've had. Don't lean on your own determination. Don't do anything until you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. We have got to grab a hold of that as a church. It says in Luke chapter 24, 46 through 49, it says this. He said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. And then it says, and that repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And he said, you are witnesses of these things. So, and then he goes on to say, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of the father upon you. So what Jesus is saying here is he says, listen, all these things that have happened, my death and resurrection, they were all prophesied and they had to happen. And repentance for sin and the proclamation of the gospel will go out to all the nations and you are the guys because you are the witnesses of it. You're the guys that are going to take it out there. But notice what he says, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He says it again in Acts chapter one. He says, gathering them together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he had said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses. He gathers them together in verse four and he says, don't go anywhere, don't try anything, wait. Because in verse eight, you're going to receive power. They'd already gotten their marching orders. 
They already knew what they would be doing. He had told them in the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all the world. They understood that they would be going out as missionaries, but he tells them, you are not ready yet. You're not ready. There's a missing element with you guys. Wait for power from on high. And that's what brings us to the day of Pentecost. That's where Jesus was with his disciples prior to the day of Pentecost. Before Pentecost, he's telling them, literally telling them, you're not ready. Don't go anywhere. Don't try anything. Don't do anything. I don't care how experienced you are. I don't care how much you've learned. I don't care how many sermons you've sat through. I don't care how determined you are, Jesus is saying, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to our text in Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin to read in verse 1. We're going to kind of skip around. You can read the whole thing later. Um, It's worthy of reading. It's a powerful sermon that Peter preaches. But my point is I want us to see a change in the disciples. I want us to see where they went from not ready to ready. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves and resting on each of them. And then verse 4 is key. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, a crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them were hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Chalcedonia and Pontus and Asia and this place and that place and those other places. Verse 12. And they were all continually amazed and greatly perplexed and saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they're full of sweet wine. But then notice verse 14. But Peter taking his stand. Peter taking a stand. It's not the same Peter we saw back in Matthew chapter 26. But Peter taking a stand with the eleven raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judah and all who live in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give heed to my word. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. That's 9 a.m. And he goes on to say, And this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. It shall be in the last days that God says that I will pour forth my spirit. He's telling them that the Holy Spirit was prophesied. I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters um, shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. So we have Peter now taking a stand. He stands up in the middle of these people and he begins to preach. And he says to them, boys, you need to read your Bible because all of this was prophesied that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon him. Now listen to him in verse 22. He begins to preach powerfully. Verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predestined plan and the foreknowledge of God. Notice what he says, you nailed him to the cross. 
by, by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to agony of death since it was impossible for it to be held by his power. Skip down to verse 32. And Jesus says there, I'm sorry, and Peter says there, this Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses, therefore having been exalted to the right hand of the Father, having received um, from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you now see and hear. Verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. Now, they were pierced to the heart. Man, this is a different Peter, isn't it? Different Peter. Then he goes on in verse 38 and tells them to repent. This is the same guy that just a few days earlier, a few weeks earlier, was a coward was running away, weeping bitterly, when a servant girl asked him if he knew Jesus. This is a way different Peter than it was in Acts chapter 26. What happened? What's the difference maker? Whatever it is, we need it, don't we? Amen? Listen, we need whatever happened to Peter between Easter and the day of Pentecost We need what happened on that day of Pentecost. And the answer is in verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter went from denying even knowing Christ to now standing radically, boldly, fearlessly proclaiming Jesus. The political situation in Jerusalem had not changed. The people that hated and crucified Jesus are still in power. The change happened where? In Peter. The change was in Peter. The difference was that he was now filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was a different guy. And we need that. We see it again in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John had been walking into the temple. They came across a man that had been crippled. And uh, they healed the man that had been crippled. He's pretty happy about now being healed. So he jumps up and he starts kind of leaping around the temple, the Bible tells us. And as a result of that, they recognize that this was the man who had been crippled when they walked in. Now they see him healed. A large crowd gathers. It tells us uh, a couple thousand people uh, end up getting saved. So at least there's a couple thousand people gather there. And Peter begins to preach again, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches again. Now, as a result of his preaching, thousands get saved. But also as a result, he gets arrested along with John and the man to whom he has healed. And if you want to flip over to Acts chapter 4, since you're right there, we see in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, that Peter has now been drugged before the Sanhedrin. These are the same men, the chief priests and the Sanhedrin are the same men that had condemned Jesus to be crucified. He's now standing before the very people that had the Lord crucified, sent them to Pontius Pilate, and it says this in verse 8. Then Peter, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man was made well, let it be known to you all, and let it be known to all in Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, notice what he says, who you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He is 
the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. This is a different Peter, isn't it? So here's the the go-to for the Sanhedrin. Here's what they decide to do. We'll just go tell Peter to stop preaching Jesus. That'll get him. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about that which we have seen and heard. And we see the difference maker in verse 8, doesn't it? And Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about when I say God intended his church to have power. He intended us to have power. And that power comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. And church, we need that. Every one of us are absolutely desperate for that. You and I cannot be, and we cannot do what God has called us to be and do without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is an impossibility. We cannot relate to each other rightly without the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's tough, even within the church, isn't it? Because relationships are tough. And sometimes we get on each other's nerves and sometimes we create. If this thing works and we are to be a community of believers that are going to live together and support one another and, and to be involved in one another's lives and carry one another's burdens, we need the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. We can't do it on our own. Listen, if we're going to be effective at all in this community, it's only going to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to be effective in world missions, which we are called to do via the Great Commission, we are only going to be able to do that by the Holy Spirit. And that tells us then that we are what? Desperate for the Holy Spirit. Regardless of your training. Regardless of your role models. Regardless of your determination. Regardless of how many sermons you've sat through. You are not ready. I am not ready until we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's more to it because the Bible tells us that it's not just a one-time event. We are to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says in Ephesians 5, 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to explain something about this. Where it says be filled, those two words, that phrase be filled, in the Greek it's only one word. It's not two words, it's just one word. The word plareo. And, it, and it, it's in the present tense imperative in the Greek. It's a single word and it means this. To be continued. To be continually and over and over, again and again, filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's literally saying in that passage right there, don't be drunk with wine, that's dissipation, but be being filled over and over, continually throughout your life, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what's needed for the Christian walk. And here's why. We need to continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit because we sin. Anybody in here sin? I sin. All six of us sin. Me, Jim, and those few people right there. The Bible tells us that when we sin in Ephesians 4.30, that we grieve the Holy Spirit. 
It tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 that when we try to take back the lordship of our lives and we try to do things in our own strength, we then quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 We grieve the Holy Spirit, church, with our sin. We quench the Holy Spirit, church, when we try to do it under our own strength and not use and rely on the strength and the power that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. And for that reason then, we constantly need a fresh surrender of our life to God. And for that reason, we then need a fresh filling of His Holy Spirit. That's why we pray and sing, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me. Why would we be saying that if we didn't need it? That's right in line with what's being said there in Ephesians 5.18, that we are to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why we sing that song, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on me. I need to be filled again daily. Sometimes for me, hourly. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, when I get out of bed in the morning, the first thing... Before I put my feet on the ground, my bed's a little bit high. My feet don't touch the ground. Before they hit the ground, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what we're going to go through today. Lord, I know one thing, though, is I need your Spirit if I'm going to be and do what I'm supposed to be and do today for you. Dealing with difficult kids, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Dealing with difficult relationships, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Dealing with difficult counseling, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, daily, we are to be dying to self, it tells us in Galatians 2.20. Daily, we are to be surrendering our lives to Christ, it tells us in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. And daily, we are to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, it tells us in Ephesians 5.18. So that we can live life in the Spirit. That's why we called that series that. Because we want to live life in the, in the Spirit. We want to daily be led by the Spirit. We want to daily be empowered by the Spirit. We want to daily be comforted by the Spirit when we go through traumatic things. So therefore, we all must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us, every single one of us in this church that calls Jesus our Lord and Savior needs to be constantly, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to finish with this. The word Pentecost means 50th. The word Pentecost means 50th. The reason that it's called the 50th, Pentecost, is because it falls on the 50th day after Passover, after our Easter. We celebrate Easter at that time. So there is then a 50-day gap between Easter and the day of Pentecost. There's a 50-day gap that happened between when Jesus died to conquer sin and when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church for power. So there's a 50-day gap there. And here's one thing that kind of dawned on me this week as I was studying for this. Far too many people live in that gap within the church today. Far too many people live somewhere between Easter and Pentecost. Far too many people love Jesus. They believe in Him, believe in His death and resurrection. 
They go to church. They sing the songs. They know the teachings of Jesus. They can quote the scriptures, but they haven't got the Pentecost yet. They haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they don't have the power to live the life that Jesus has called us to. Far too many people in the church, and I'm not just talking about here, I'm talking about the church worldwide, especially the church in America. There is this weakness that has never made it into their Christianity. They love Jesus, but they've never made it to Pentecost. Therefore, they've never been filled with the Spirit. Therefore, their lives lack power for both purity and mission. And that's not what Jesus intended for us. Because it says in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Listen, church, if you don't get anything else from this, know this. God intended his church to have power. He intended his church to have power. The Christian life was meant to be characterized by power. Anemic Christianity was never God's intention for any one of us. If you look at your life and your witness and your faith and you feel that it is anemic, one thing I can tell you for sure, it is not what God has for you. It's not his intention for you. His intention was that your life and your witness and your ability to overcome sin and your ability to share with your neighbor would have power. And so we need to ask the question as a church, honestly, Are we, are you, am I stuck somewhere between Easter and Pentecost? Do we love Jesus, but not yet tapped into that power? Are we stuck in there? Are you trying, am I trying to do ministry on your own strength? Are you trying to find guidance and direction for your life based on your own wisdom. Let me ask you this one. Are you trying to fix a struggling marriage apart from the Holy Spirit? Are you struggling through unforgiveness by yourself? Are you trying to overcome fear? Are you trying to overcome depression? Are you trying to overcome a great pain from your life? Listen, I know a lot of people in this church have been hurt radically by people. Are you trying to overcome that without the help of the great comforter? If Jesus forbid his disciples to go anywhere and attempt anything until they were filled with the Holy Spirit, why would we ever try it? They had far better training than you received from me. I'll tell you that right now. They had a far better example of faith in Jesus than you guys get from me right now. They had determination without a doubt. But they weren't ready. And Jesus forbid them. So why would we ever try it? Especially when it's so readily available. When the Holy Spirit is right there, ready for us. If we surrender to Him, He is more than happy to come empower us. That's what He's here for. To empower us for, to live life and mission 
for God. Listen, in 2 Peter 1.3, it says this. It says that God has by His divine power granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Look at that verse again. By His divine power, that's the Holy Spirit, guys. By His divine power, He has granted us how much? Half of what we need. No, everything pertaining to both life and godliness. It's been provided for us already in the person of the Holy Spirit. We need as a church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why I want to challenge you guys to come Tuesday night. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to spend time in the presence. How many of you guys came to the nights that we were doing on uh, Tuesday night in the Spirit? That's not very many out of the church. Now, I want you to understand this. I'm not saying that you need to come Tuesday night because I'm trying to promote an event that's going on in the church. That's not what I'm doing. In fact, take that off of there. This is not an announcement. I'm not trying to promote an event that's going to happen in the church. This is what I'm trying to do. To lead us as a church to a place where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't have to wait till Tuesday to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be filled today. But there's a unique and special thing that happens when we as a church gather together and have no other agenda than to seek Him. We begin to worship because He's worthy of worship. We begin to repent because that's a channel on which He can deliver power unto us. And then we begin to lay hands on one another and pray that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's what's done in the Bible. And guess what happens every time we do that? The Holy Spirit is poured out upon us. We have to have it. If you feel that you are stuck there between Easter and Pentecost, guys, you got to be there. This is not an announcement. This is not me promoting a church thing. This is me promoting the Holy Spirit to the church and nothing else. Because it doesn't do us any good to get large numbers there and not have the Holy Spirit. We need to be there completely abandoned to what God needs to do in our church. And only then, and only then, when we as a church are filled with the Holy Spirit, will we be effective? Will we have power for purity in our lives? Power for a witness in our community? We need the difference in what happened to Peter between Matthew chapter 26 and Acts chapter 2. Every single one of us needs that. Amen? Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Spirit. And in that, you have given us everything needed pertaining to life, to godliness, to deliverance from sin, to power and our witness. Lord, you hold nothing back that we need. You're not lacking in anything, Lord. And you're willing to give us that power by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we as a church together declare that we are desperate for that. Jesus, we need that power. 
We cannot do it on our own. Lord, we're grateful that you're so willing to pour that out upon us. Lord, I pray over this congregation here now that in in Jesus' name, you would meet us. As we begin to worship now, Jesus, meet us. You know exactly what we need. Holy Spirit, come and minister. Some need comfort today to get through pain. Some need conviction of sin. Some need deliverance from temptation. Some need boldness to share you, Jesus, with others. You know us. You know what we need. And we ask that as we begin to worship now, as we stand, as we lift our hands, as we kneel before you, as we take communion and remember, as we get prayed for, Lord, we ask you to pour out your spirit and minister to us that we might be effective for your kingdom. We ask for forgiveness together, collectively, as a church, for any time that we have neglected your Holy Spirit, Lord. Any time that we've tried to do it on our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own power, relying on our own training, Lord, we ask for forgiveness. And we now freshly surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.